going to preach something today, and I think it'll be a blessing to you, and, um, and I think it's going to be good. Y'all ready? And so, uh, um, you know, we started, I think, maybe a week or two ago, um, we started a uh, um, series on love. I was telling them yesterday that uh, up, I hate to say this, up until kind of recently, you know, over the years, you know, how many, I told, joke with them about how you never seen a conference, you know, where people, you had a billboard, such, such church is having a love conference, such, such, such is having a humility conference, <laughs> a meekness conference. If they did, you weren't going. And let them charge for it too? There's an administrator, oh, no, I'm not paying $50 to hear about pride. That was your pride speaking. I would, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny, the things that you say you won't do, you know. And so, uh, but my wife and I, are for years, you all, more like decades, honestly, I've had a lot of, a lot of questions about, Lord, I, I see a lot of teaching and I see a lot of stuff, but my, my, my question was always, how is it, Jesus, that you come on the scene, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you, you did not go to the temple to get your disciples. You went on the street and got like businessmen. It's always very interesting. Um, uh, God, Jesus picked people who were already doing stuff. Okay, God, the kingdom of heaven does not like laziness, folk. And so, you know, so some of the Jesus' disciples were pretty much comprised of a, I think a lawyer, a doctor, a tax collector. Tax collectors got paid back then. That was what we called IRS. How many know the IRS is getting their money? Okay. And, they, and tax collectors back then were considered evil. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. I knew someone was going to let it come up. They still are. Okay. And so, uh, but, you know, tax collector, lawyer, doctor, um, fishermen, businessmen, you know, the Bible says that several of the disciples left their business in the hands of their servants. Um, so there wasn't no some little canoe and they're out there with a little fishing pole that's about to be torn up in a moment. No, they had a fishing business. That was the number one food of back then was fish. So they were getting paid. You know, and then, you know, so there were, there were others. And so the interesting thing that I always found is he, he went and found these guys. He prayed all night to make sure he was picking the right ones. <laughs> well, one day, okay. Uh, so that's why you should pray sometimes for a long amount of times before a major decision to make sure that you're getting it right. Job interviews, should you take this job, stuff like that. But he prayed or not, he picked those guys. And what is amazing to me, you all, is that the disciples were not what we call saved. They weren't born again. They weren't Christians. Um, they were men because you could not receive new life in your spirit until after Jesus died and got up from the grave. So it was always a mystery to me. You know, because how I grew up, I, I grew up Baptist, and then I switched over to what we call charismatic Pentecostal service, word of faith movement. And, you know, it baffled me because we were always talking about, you know, which is important. Spend all this time in the word, all of this time in prayer, building yourself up so you can be a beast in the spirit. And, and you would see people do that, and they would still, the miracles in the body of Christ were kind of slim to none. You know, you did not see the stuff that you saw in the Bible. And what was a mystery to me is how Jesus found these guys. He picked them. He didn't train them in a Bible school for two years. He said, watch me for a few days. And then he said, it gave him his authority. And he said, now go out there and do the same thing as me. No weeks of training. No going to a Bible school. No, we got to, you know, you got to go through a progression. You got to start out as an usher first or, 
you know, you know what I'm saying? How we do it? You know, let's say. It was none of that. It was just like, okay, boom, instantaneously, as fast as I can. And, and, and the disciples were able to operate in this realm so fast, it blew them away. They came back to the Jesus and they say, dude, even the devils do what we say in your name. And then Jesus said something even stranger. He said, yeah, that's insignificant. Power, the fact that you can raise people from the dead and get people healed and cast out demons, he said, that ain't nothing to be happy about. He said, what you should be happy about is the fact that you're going to heaven. So power was supposed to be so insignificant that when somebody got healed, we didn't even rejoice. It was just, thank you, it was commonplace. And so this bothered me for all of these years. I'm like, now these dudes did not have the nature of Christ. These dudes did not have the Holy Ghost away. They didn't speak in tongues. They didn't have the ability to build themselves up. And so for all of these years, I've just been scratching my head like, now how is it that they didn't have what we have? And, and, and they could do what we couldn't do. So that's been my answer. Well, you know, so I've been sitting in church all these years like, uh, and I honestly didn't have an answer. I thought the answer was found in spending a long amount of time praying in tongues. That is a small answer. Spending a lot of time being tanked up in the word. But what I have found now is that, it, that the reason why we don't see it is because I believe that it is, uh, and this is not, this is not an all-inclusive answer. This is part of it. I believe that it's trapped up in the love and humility principle. Because just, you know, I'm just letting you know. I've heard, as you know, I've had to keep my mouth closed when it comes to all the men of God and different things like that. But, you know, my wife will tell you, the truth be told is I just don't like most pastors. I like your father. Her daddy is cool because he's a, you know, because of the arrogance and the pride. This is Laura Harris Smith's daughter, by the way. She came to hang out with us this weekend. The Laura Harris Smith is the lady that did our Dreams and Visions conference. So she's been with us for the last couple of days, just hanging out. Okay, so, so, and so, you know, uh, so as I began to see, you know, Randall and I were talking about just the pride and the arrogance and, and, and men that do this, they forget that the Bible says, God says, uh, God hates pride. And he said, I resist prideful people. Okay, he said, but I exalt the humble. So the, the degree of your pride will be the degree of your powerlessness. Did I say that word correctly? Doesn't matter. Y'all know what I'm saying. Let me give you an example of this. Let me give you an example of this. I have a young lady. She's a member of our church. And uh, she came out of great darkness. And uh, you all know who she is. I just want to, I don't want to mention her name on the recording in case people are listening. She got this young girl saved. And no, she got this girl uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues, praying in your heavenly prayer language. And so, because the girl had been taught that it's not for everybody. And so, uh, so long story short, she got her filled with the Holy Spirit over the phone. Um, and so the girl went and told her pastor. And so the pastor then contacted this young girl that I consider my spiritual daughter. We trained her with certain things. And she's a beast, though. Evangelism, Holy Ghost, she's a beast. Okay, we have to slow her down sometimes, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, so the, the pastor or the bishop, he called her and he said, hey, Um, let me make sure of something. Hold on. Got to think real hard. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Get these strange impressions sometimes. You got to, it had nothing to do with that. So, uh, so the bishop called her and, and said, hey, you know, I heard you, you did this. And, you know, what is it that you were doing? 
He said, because that gift is not for everybody. She said, sir, that's not true. It is for everybody. He said, no, it's not. He said, it's only for a few. And he mentioned this one scripture. She then told the bishop, sir, you can't take one scripture out of context and create a whole doctrine. Some of y'all remember when I said when we started the service, I said eventually you'll be able to teach preachers. Some of y'all forgot that. Some of y'all weren't here when I said this. And so, so she said, sir, these other scriptures say this. So he said, hold on. He went and got his Bible. So he went and got his Bible. And so she started teaching this man about the Holy Spirit, how it was for everybody. And he was starting to get it. And he was so impressed with her revelation and what he was learning, he made the mistake of asking her a question. What Bible school did you graduate from? She said, I haven't been to Bible school. That's how she talks. He said, what church ordained you? I'm not ordained. Oh, Lord, she might oh, why did she say that? That man flipped on her so fast. Before, he was learning. Right after she made that statement, he said that she was cultish and she was a member of a cult. That's deep, ain't it? So, so all that was, was pride. Is I was learning, but when I find out who was teaching me, now nah, I can't learn from you. And, and so that's very, very sad. So um, uh, it's amazing to me how love and humility, the scripture says, are the greatest. But they are, it's funny, the greatest things are the least things that are taught. And so one of the reasons why we're having hangups in our personal life is because of those two issues. So I think this would be a blessing to you. And let's jump into it. First John 3, 21 through 22. Is it just me or is it warm in here? It's just me. I, I didn't, uh, not until I got here that I see it was going to be 70 degrees and I'm sitting up here like I'm going outside in the wintertime. But that's all right. Dear friends, let me move over to the side. Y'all be praying for our second location, y'all. Y'all be praying. It's, we're going to have to do something. Not for here. I mean, not for the Saturday location, but for this one. I, I can sense it's getting close. Okay. Y'all pray for me going to Nigeria, too. You know, when I come back, I'm going to come back Superman, right? You do realize that. <laughs> <laughs> I should have y'all meet me at the airport and call C and then get off the plane with a cape on. It's all them popping people. Oh, we're about to set it off now. Oh. Uh, hey, matter of fact, a guy in my previous church. Oh, why am I sharing this with you? Never mind. Let's go. No, I don't need this nothing. Nope. Let's walk in love this morning over. First John chapter 3, verse 21. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. It did, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. That's two separate things, folk. It's not it's one sentence, but it's two separate things. Obeying God, his commandments, and doing the things that please him. Okay? So many people are having difficulty hearing from God, receiving answers from God, prosperity, healing, wisdom. Some people just confused. They just stuck in the wilderness, don't even know which way to go. Um, and so, uh, but Matthew 24, 12 through 14, um, and this is the danger in this. It says, sin will be rapid everywhere, talking about the last days. And the love of many will grow cold. I mean, no, we've seen that every day. All you do is go on social media for about 10 minutes. You'll get a revelation of that scripture. <clears throat> but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it 
and then the end will come. I just feel led to give you this brief note. In the Bible, how many believe we're living in the last days? Okay. And so, um, but in the scripture, every time you read the term last days, um, oh, here it is right here. Every time you see the term last days, it's talking about the last 2,000 years of human history. Um, because in the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost fell and they started praying in tongues so loud the whole city showed up, it says that they thought the guys were drunk. And they said, no, we're not drunk like you think. They said, this is that which was spoken by Prophet Joel. It'll come to pass in the last days. Okay, so the last days started 2,000 years ago. Okay, in the Bible, when you see latter days, L-A-T-T-E-R, it's talking about the last few years at the end of the 2,000. And so when you read the scripture, you want to be careful because even Jesus made some statements about the last days. He was talking about 2,000 years of time, not the last few days before he parted the sky. Okay? But the point is, is that the Bible says that the love of many will wax cold. It will grow cold. Um, and as a result of you dealing with knuckleheads, as a result of you dealing with your family members, as a, dollar, as a result of you dealing with some people, I've heard people on the prayer call say, so Father, we pray for our, our in-laws and our outlaws. And, <laughs> you know, and just dealing with all of the crap that we got to deal with out here. My wife and I, just in the last few weeks, we just talked about how people are just so judgmental today. Everybody is an expert on everything. You can't run your house, but you an expert on the White House. You don't got two nickels to rub together, but you think you know what the IRS should be doing. I mean, it's just amazing to me how everybody is just an expert on everything. How are you not an expert? Look, I'm trying to get my address together. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what nobody else is doing. I'm trying to make sure that I don't tank. I'm trying to, as I always say, I'm trying to keep my ship on the right way. Man, the arrogance of people who don't know anything. Anyway, so deal with all of that and deal with all of that and deal with all of that. You know, and as a, you know, as a pastor, I just told my wife, I just want to be by myself. I don't want to. I love y'all, you know, because I love, we love our church because, you know, it's wonderful. But, you know, y'all know what I'm saying. You're going to have to start disengaging from people because the way that people are carrying themselves today is just turning everyone arrogant, prideful, angry, um, no love, no giving of the benefit of the doubt, no anything. Uh, and it's just really, really sad. And Jesus said that was going to happen, you know. So, but let's look at this principle. We'll jump into this. Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Like I always say, if you can get to heaven any other way except through Jesus, it was real stupid for Jesus to die. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he said the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these two. That is, so if no other commandment is greater, don't you think that maybe we should study that more than anything else? You know, I, I was thinking this morning about how, 
you know, it's called the main ingredient. How many know the main ingredient to make pizza is what? Dough. Well, if the dough is messed up, by the time you add the other ingredients to make the pizza, the pizza is not going to taste right. The main ingredient for spaghetti, let's do a lesson here. The main ingredient for spaghetti is what? Pasta. Thank you, pasta. But if the pasta is messed up, by the time you make the spaghetti, it's not going to turn out right. Okay. Main ingredient in ice cream is what? Cream? Yeah, I have to be honest, I had to think about that one. It's, we don't know what's, some of this ice cream is not ice cream folk, it's not even real stuff, they just putting stuff in there. <laughs> Look, anytime you pick up an item at the store and you turn to the ingredient label, if it's more than five or six words, you got some stuff that came from another planet, folk. I don't need, why, why is it three paragraphs over some ice cream? because they're mixing chemicals together making this stuff. The point is, if the milk or the cream is messed up, the ice cream is not going to taste right. Okay, let me move over here. Okay, so the main ingredient for your life is love. So if your love walk is messed up, then don't be surprised if the other areas of your life are not turning out right because the main ingredient is messed up. And, and in order to deal with the main ingredient, you then have to add the second ingredient, which is humility. And so in order for you to hear how you're supposed to change walking in love, you're going to have to be humble. And, and walking in love and humility are generally the two things that most of us don't want to hear because in order to hear that, it makes you feel a particular way. And, 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 and we have been programmed and taught that if you feel negative, then stop what the person is saying so you can change that feeling. Okay, you have to learn how to not be moved by your feelings. That's what that, that's what that bishop did with the girl. Okay, his feelings changed. He was getting truth, but his feelings changed. Truth never changes. He should have kept listening to the truth. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. I'm going to stay behind this desk today. First time visitors, the laughter you hear is they know I'm lying. <clears throat> if I could speak with all the languages of earth. Why are they laughing? Oh, because I just walked away from, you know what? I can't even believe I just did that. I just told them I was lying and then walked right out. Oh, come on, people. If I can speak all the languages of Earth, you know, English, Spanish, Russian, all of the African languages, all of the Middle Eastern languages, you know, the Hebrew language, you know everything. And you can pray in tongues. That's called the language of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understand all of God's secret plans, that's some depth right there, folk. You know everything and God's secrets and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, heaven is not impressed. You still ain't nothing. If I gave everything, oh, we didn't got the money involved now. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Because of the heavenly reward system that just told you right there that the sacrifice that you give for others and the money that you give to the kingdom, to the community, to the poor, even your relatives helping people out, there's a reward for that on the other side. But without love, you might be losing it. <clears throat> Verse 4. Let's go slow. 
Love is patient and kind. That's two separate things. I'm going to let this soak in like you marinate spaghetti. And Love is patient and kind. I'm going to start adding my own language to this. Love will answer the question the third time, even though your husband asked you two times already. I started to look up. I'm going to just keep looking right here. Love keeps a proper attitude at Walmart when it's 500 people in the store on Christmas Eve and they got two people working out. Love keeps a good attitude at the bank when they got two tellers and there's 30 people in line and the old lady that stepped forward got 30 things to take care of. And the person in front of you keeps looking around and staring at you. Look at this foolishness. And the person behind you is breathing on your neck. <sighs> Love is still patient. Even though your wife made the same mistake 300 times, you still going to give her another chance. Oh, it was quiet on that one, maybe. Love is patient and it's kind. Kindness has to do with how you just deal with stuff over regular stuff. You know, just, you know, if, you know, just, well, you know, like, you know, my wife, she bumped into a couple of people and her cell phone dropped on the ground. Instead of her getting a big old fat out attitude and all that, stuff, I just bought this brand new iPhone, boom, boom, boom. She's like, oh, and I immediately said, hey, we just order another case because it broke a little part. It's kindness, being nice to people. I mean, it seems like some people, you know, the worst type of people is they ghetto and they proud about it. Let me tell you something. We'll, you know, to be honest with you, we could, we could really all just walk over to Walmart and I could just teach this at the front door and just, I mean, Walmart is off the chain, man. Walmart, you see some stuff. Well, my wife and I walking down Walmart, we're walking past the aisles, and I say, my wife, look down there, look down there. <laughs> She's like, leave me alone. There's one down, I was across the street, this was a few years ago over here, and there's this man. He looked like he was 92, but he was dressed like MC Hammer. He had this crazy curl in his head, and I'm just ghetto like that. And, and I was over here, I was behind the man getting ready to take a picture and show y'all on the screen. And all his spirit was like, what are you doing? Because I was not walking in love. And I was not walking in kindness. Because you wouldn't want nobody taking a picture of you like that. I was painting the other day, had to go pick up my son, and I forgot how I was dressed. And just left the house. And I noticed that a couple of spots I went, people just kept looking at me up and down like this. And, and when I was at Little Caesars getting some stuff for the kids, I happened to look down. I was like, oh, I don't even have any lotion on my legs. I'm, I got on the wrong color socks and everything because I had been painting out on this raggedy outfit. I would not have wanted someone to take a picture of me, put it on social media. Guess who I ran into today? <laughs> anyway, let's just keep going. Love is patient and kind. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I messed up something. Let me read it off here. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Boast, boastful has to do with you bragging. 
You know, you get a new car, so you think you're something better than somebody else because your car is more expensive, your house is more expensive. Proud could fall into the category of, I'll use my wife as an example, because me and my wife, my wife and I, we have six kids. And so if you're not careful, proud could be, well, we're proud of the fact that we married and got six kids. And out of our kids are out in the street and all that type of stuff. And you'll find yourself being proud of that, not in a in a bad type of way where now you despise the single mother who may have three kids, see? And you find yourself looking at people a particular way, scoffing at people a particular way. Let me tell you something. Yes, I joke about Walmart, but the truth be told you all is that I would be the person walking down with my pants down if I had a different set of parents. That's the truth be told, okay? So we can talk about how wonderful our kids are all the time, but the truth be told is, is that if they had a different set of parents, my kids would be ghetto and raggedy and doing all type of stuff, okay? <clears throat> so that, and, and that's the reason why God gives grace and mercy based on the individual situation. I don't get a lot of grace and mercy because of how I was raised. Somebody else that their mama was on crack, they get a huge amount of grace and mercy because they didn't even get love growing up. And then here you come out as a Christian, you judge them the same way that you won't even judge yourself. That's the crazy thing. You won't even judge yourself the same way. And you think God is pleased with it, and he's not. And so because you judge that person that way, then mom, remember what the Bible says? It says you will receive the same type of judgment the same way that you judge others. Well, I need a huge amount of mercy in my life. Would you agree? I need the Lord working with me in spite of the 500 mistakes that I make. And so, well, that gets held back when you won't be. It does not. Am I reading the right translation? Yeah. It does not demand its own way. Married couples, that don't even apply to married couples nowadays. Some people crazy enough to rebuke their manager. You didn't start the company. Why should we give you a $30 raise? You only been here for two weeks. There's some crazy people out here. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable when it wakes up in the morning time. Oh man, I don't even know if I'm saved. And it keeps no record of being wronged. I mean, no, we all need to go back to school for that one. <laughs> it's deep. You know what's amazing, you all? It's how God doesn't keep a record of being wronged. That's what's amazing. He said, when you mess up, he said, not only will I forgive you, I will forgive you and I will cleanse you from the ramifications of what you did and I will remember your sins no more. And so many a times you go to God reminding him of stuff that, you, that he has forgotten. does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, here's a definition of love that most people are not used to. Love never gives up. No matter what you're going through, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Okay? I mean, no, that's serious. You need to, let me tell you, that's one of those scriptures that you need to read every single day. You really do. You know how you get up, some of us take a smoothie or you get your coffee at Starbucks that costs $15. You know, some of you need to get up and read this every single day because every time you read it, you're depositing it on the inside and eventually it'll start growing up. And the Bible says the love of God controls you. Okay? It can control you. I'm learning that. It really can control you. 
Okay? So if you truly love, you will truly forgive. The harder it is for you to forgive, the further you are from true love. 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Now, we're not, let me stop here. We're not because we're not talking about the, the definition of love that comes from the world. You know, their thing is, we just love. Well, no, the Bible says love is keeping the commandments of God. So you're not walking in love and you sinning at the same time. Sin is actually a form of self-hatred. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Let me give me a second. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And so let me just share a couple of things with you in that regards. Let me just bring out one thing. The Bible says that God is love. And we don't know what that means. Um, no one in here has experienced 1% of the full love of God. Um, dare say you haven't experienced 0.01% of it. You experience moments and touches of it when you give your life to Christ, when you experience forgiveness. Um, when we pray for people, lay hands on them and they get healed, that's a demonstration of love. Um, how many know that God, for most of us, if not all of us, God has brought about some type of financial miracle for you where you knew it was the Lord? You couldn't work this out. He came through even though you thought this was it. I'm coming to join you, Elizabeth. You thought it was it. The Lord did something crazy. Well, that was a demonstration of his love. So the only reason why God demonstrates power is to demonstrate how much he loves you. Okay. And so, so God is love. And so to understand that is, it's, it's not like he's an aspect of it. God does not walk in love. He is love. Through and through, his nature from top to bottom is love. So he does not have the ability to hate you. He does not have the ability because his nature, he is love, okay? He is love. I got to keep pounding it in you. He is love. So because he is love, everything that he created has the nature of love. Now, we don't understand that because we live in a corrupted planet. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, it says that uh, he caused the whole planet to become decayed. This planet in the beginning before Adam and Eve sinned, it was a shadow. It was a pattern of heaven. It was a smaller version of it. Adam was a smaller version of a type of God. People don't like for me to say that. You can't be a son of God without being one. Now, religious people don't like to hear that. But that's why Jesus rebuked the people in the Bible three times. He said, didn't I say you are gods? That's one thing that religious people do not like. No, we did not say we're moving God on the throne. But, y'all, I have a son. I got two of them. And my son is nothing but another version of me. You know what I'm saying? That's amazing. How, I mean, when Jesus said, I came forth and proceeded out of the Father, same way my son came forth and proceeded out of me, how can Jesus be your older brother, but you're different? A bird is not a brother to a squirrel. A rat is not a brother to an eagle. Y'all know what I'm saying? You can't be brothers unless you're the same. He is the firstborn of many brethren. We are sons. How can you be a son and you're different than the one that's sitting on the throne? 
Anyway, I'm starting to get lost in all of my own craziness. Hey, what was I talking about? Oh, so, so, so when you get to heaven, you, you know, everything is kind of back at, picks back up where it left off. When you get to heaven, you will find that because God is love. Everything that he created has that same nature as him. So when you get to heaven, you will find that, you know, for example, how many of you know it's nothing like a good shower? A good shower makes you feel good, okay? But in heaven, the water loves you, so it tries to make you feel a particular way on purpose. That's hard to, everything in heaven loves you. How many of you love beautiful flowers? I have some flowers in front of my house, okay? But in heaven, the flowers actually love you. Like one lady was caught up to heaven, and she said that she went into a particular person's mansion that the Lord was showing her. And she says, every time you go in and out the mansion, because the flowers love you, they sang you your favorite song that you've never heard before. Okay? I mean, imagine that. You go into your home, and they sing you a song, and it instantly becomes your favorite song. You come out your home, and they sing you another song, but now that's your favorite song. Now imagine a level that operates like this forever. I mean, think about it. I mean, y'all, do y'all realize how much music is being produced constantly every day in planet Earth? I mean, I watched Mozart all by himself for the last six years. I mean, 99% of the time, he's always playing some variation of something different. It's ultimate creativity. So you find that when you get to heaven, everything loves you. The animals loves you. The air loves you. The water loves you. The food loves you. Everything loves you there with the same love that God has. And so because everything loves you that way, the people love you, the angels love you. And so because of that, everybody only does one thing. They give and they serve you. Imagine walking around every moment for eternity and you are always the center of attention. Everything. You are always the center of attention. And the air, the food, the animals, the experiences, the music, the flowers, the trees, the fruit, everything. You are the center of attention and everything wants to give you an experience at that moment that you will never forget for a lifetime. So in heaven, that's how things operate. But God has called us to operate like that on planet Earth. Okay. So, so everything in heaven loves you, and this is very important also. Because God is love, every commandment that comes out of him is a commandment of love. Some people don't like the commandments of God because they're operating in self-hatred. But there is no, when God tells you not to fornicate, it's because he loves you. Because the scripture says the person that commits fornicate does it because they are unwise. It says it's the sin that destroys your own soul. So love never wants you to be destroyed. It always wants you to be saved. Okay? Love wants you to be healthy. That's why, I don't want to go too deep with this. Okay? So, so every commandment, when God says don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, is because he knows that if you do it, you're going to end up depressed. And love never wants you to be depressed. He knows that if you do this, you're going to end up broke. And love always wants you to be prosperous. He knows that if you go down this path, you're going to end up sick. You're going to end up with a disease. And love never wants you to be diseased. It always wants you to be healed. That's the reason why God will always demonstrate power to get you from poverty to prosperity. He will demonstrate power to get you from sickness to health. He will demonstrate power to get you from deliverance to wholeness. 
because heaven only operates in love. It only wants what is best for you. It only wants something that the scripture says, which is Jesus said, fullness of joy. So love only wants to serve. I know some of y'all are being convicted right now because I'm giving you a definition of how you should be carrying yourself. Because some people want to be served. And see, let me say something. When you walk around heaven, not only will they serve you, they will serve you for eternity if you never serve them back. Because that love is very, it self-serves you. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave everything. Romans 8.32 says that if I gave you Jesus, why would I not give you everything else? That's what love does. It'll give you everything. This is the deep part. God gave us Jesus knowing that most wouldn't receive him. So he didn't give Jesus because everybody was going to accept him. He said, well, it doesn't matter what you're going to do, because a lot of us operate in love based on what the other person does. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. I'm going to do my part 100%. And because I know the future, this is what's crazy. He knew the future. You don't. He said, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give my son. I'm going to pay the ultimate sacrifice, send him to the planet, and I'm going to kill him for you. And he said, and by this all time it's all said and done, only few would have found that path. That's what's deep. God gives 100% knowing that you're not going to give 100%. Every instruction is an instruction of love. Why? Bible says, here's an instruction. Meditate the word day and night. How many of you know day and night is different than having a Bible in your back window to show people you go to church every once in a while? <laughs> Reading a psalm every once in a while. People, people love to read them psalms. Those are short scriptures, by the way. Right? So meditate the word day and night. Why? What did it say at the end? It says if you do this, it says you will make your way prosperous. And you will automatically be a success. So love wants you to be successful. The first thing God told Abraham when he showed up, hey, dude, I'm going to make you rich and I'm going to make your name great. Love wants you to be great. Skip all of this religious foolishness. God wants us to be walking around in some old tattered clothes, looking broken, homeless. And, and why would people want to come into a kingdom like that? You broke, busted, disgusted. I'm just trying to make it, you know. But I want you to come into our glorious kingdom. For what? So I can be broke like you? You know what I mean by broke. You know what I'm just saying? Just, I mean, y'all, the kingdom of God is supposed to be very, very attractive. These people were following Jesus around like he was Michael Jackson. You go back and read about, you know, I told you, I'm quit paying attention to them little raggedy Jesus movies on TV, and they got him standing out there with some biscuits and some stale cheese, looking like he ain't washed his clothes in five weeks. And, and he out there, you know, blessed are the, you know, boom, boom, and he got a couple of people standing around. Oh, man. You, when you read the Bible, you all, the scripture makes it clear that sometimes it was a minimum of 20 to 1,000 people following Jesus wherever he went. Uh, just the man that he fed in the wilderness was 5,000. It said not counting women and children. How I many, you know, you got 5,000 men? Oh, you definitely got 5,000 women. And back then, when it was an honor to have as many kids as you want, you're talking about 15,000, 20,000 people in the wilderness that he just fed. When Jesus healed people, that's the reason why he said, y'all know Jesus would say, he, he would heal someone, he would say, oh, shh, don't tell nobody. What he was saying was, I already got crowds like Prince, and, and, and I don't need nobody else following me. And, and, and some people, you go back and read a couple of stories, it said the person disobeyed Jesus' instruction and went and told everybody, and it said because of the crowds that showed up, Jesus had to go and hide. 
don't know how we got over that. Y'all read the Bible, quit paying attention. The only Jesus movie that I really like is your boy Mel Gibson. Passing him to Christ was the truth. He's making a second one, by the way, uh, about the resurrection. I can't see this. A friend of mine that worked with Mel Gibson said that he wanted to do one on Armageddon. And, and by the way, when Mel Gibson made the Passion of the Christ, he told my friend, he said, I wanted to go further with what the scripture says. He said, but I was already getting too much heat from the religious community, saying I was too violent. So he did want to have a scene because the scripture says, I mean, now what you saw on the Passion of the Christ was light work compared to what really happened. The Bible says that Jesus was beaten so brutally that when they were done, if you looked at him, you could not tell it was a human being. That's what the scripture says. Then he went to hell over a three-day period. One of the things the scripture says is, is that they, they pulled his beard out, snatched his beard out. Okay? And so when you, when, and even when you see the crown of thorns in the movies, you know, they got this little crown of thorns looking like they went to your rose bush and put something together and, you know, put it on there so it's a little trickle of blood. And, yeah, it's all nice and wonderful because we don't get the kids to be horrified. But, y'all, these things were spikes and they smashed this thing in his head. Okay? And so Mel Gibson said he wanted to go further, he said, but he was already getting, he fell in the Great Depression after that, too. Y'all remember Mel Gibson was acting crazy and drinking and going places? Yeah, see, again, folk, again, folk, there are some things that God won't let you do, not because you can't do it, but because you won't be able to handle the dark side that comes for you after you do it. There were thousands of people that gave their life to Christ in the movie theater, let alone later, in the movie theater. Satan was like, oh, no, let's go exact some revenge on him. And, and, and without proper support, you're going to go crazy. So thank God he recovered from that. Mel Gibson always making movies like that. Okay? So I've got to pray for people like that. If you had made a movie, you would have had Jesus speaking in tongues, wearing a Baptist robe out there and everything. And the Lord knows who to pick to make an impact. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There are certain things that God has to create, even in the realm of technology, in order for the Bible to come to pass when it comes to the end days. He will use a sinner or a saint. 1 John 5, 1 through 3. So remember that. The Bible says meditate the word day and night. So if, watch this. If you reject Jesus, then you're telling the Heavenly Father, oh, I'm rejecting your love. I don't want it. If you reject the word of God, you say, Lord, I'm rejecting your love. If God told you that you need to pray in tongues and you say, I don't need that, that's called self-hatred. You're telling God, you're a liar. I can do fine without that. Let me tell y'all something. Anything God says you're supposed to have, this ain't no suggestion. He's saying, look, we love you, and in order for you to get to your destiny, in order for you to operate at the fullest degree possible, these are the things and these are the tools that you got to have. One of them is praying in other tongues. Let me tell you something. Without that gift... I would not be in Atlanta. My wife would tell you, I am, this is not the person she married years ago. I was the total opposite. I was so shy when I married, when I first started dating her, I could not look her in the face and talk. Imagine, I, I think, because the Lord, I think, tricked her into marrying me or something because she was supposed to be my wife. I mean, imagine having, imagine having a conversation. We had we at the dinner table, and I'm talking off to the side, looking around. I'm just having a conversation, glance at her every once in a while, look around. She said, would you please look at me? And I look at her for a second, and I start looking around. I was that shy. That's yes, sure. Okay, but the scripture 
uh, praying in other tongues, the scripture calls it another way. It's called the Holy Spirit upon. The Holy Spirit within is for salvation. The Holy Spirit upon is for power. And the scripture says when the Holy Spirit comes up on you, you are turned into another man. Jesus also said it too. You ever notice that when Jesus got up from the dead, he breathed upon the disciples, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then right after that, he told them to go wait on the Holy Spirit because it was two manifestations. When he breathed on them, he said, now I can change your nature. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit within. He said, now you got to go wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit upon. That's why he also said it this way. He said, those that believe in me, in them shall be a well of water, Holy Spirit within for salvation. He said, but also those that believe in me, out of them so flow a river of water, Holy Spirit without. He was always teaching that, two manifestations of the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm teaching multiple lessons. Right, let's go ahead, y'all. Let's like, yes, bro, let's go and get this love thing so I can go meet some Burger King or something. <laughs> so every instruction is an instruction of love. That's why the more you obey the word, the more you have peace and prosperity in your life without you asking for it. Okay, 1 John 5, 1 through 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. I read that scripture and the Holy Spirit rebuked me about somebody. He said, you're not walking in love towards them. That was just this morning. <laughs> we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. There's some people have this mentality Oh, Lord, God, just too hard. No, you just don't want to do it. And you want to do it because you're in the mode of self-hatred. And the most important thing for you to learn as a Christian is the character of your heavenly father. When you understand and start growing a relationship with your character of your heavenly father, you can trust anything, he says, because he said, I only chastise those that I love. Think about that. If I don't love you, I'm going to say nothing to you. That's crazy. I mean, no, your parents, don't, your children don't ever want to receive that type of love. And when you, when you keep telling them to clean up their room, how many you know? You know, I, 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 look, I tell my kids all the time, look, especially in the younger years, you know, um, I would tell them, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this. And ask my wife, I'll tell them, because you're not going to drive your spouse crazy. And they come to me, I need to talk to the daddy-in-law to get some wisdom on how to handle this boy, how to handle this girl. Nope. As soon as my daughter start wearing them strange things on her head that ladies like to wear, bonnets and, and I told my wife, why are they wearing them things all day long? And once she was just like, she was like wearing it like it was the new style or something. <laughs> nope, take that thing off your head. When your husband get married, he don't want to see you wearing that thing on your head all day long. That's why I talk to my kids right now. Some of y'all offended right now, but that's all right. <laughs> y'all sure, somebody called me just the other day about, any of y'all remember that message I preached called Beautiful? Yeah, she goes, you go on the website and look for that called Beautiful. I walk through the scripture and I show them how 90% of the people in the Old Testament alone, the Bible wanted you to know that they were very shapely and they had a beautiful face, men and women. It said that about Moses, said that about Abraham, said that about Isaac, said that about Jacob, it said that about Noah, it said that about the kings, it said that about David, it said that about Joseph, it said that about Job. Why did the scripture need to tell you that Job's daughters were the finest in the whole land? If God wants you to be ugly, get up and do the opposite of your pastor. Put some lotion on your legs, brothers, and brush your teeth and 
comb your hair. Yes. It's going to make you feel good about yourself. Okay? And so, so that's, that's, a, that's a standard, ladies, isn't it? You're like, mm-hmm, whatever, dude. Move on to the next scripture, dog. Let me tell you something. That's how you have to carry yourself. If you're talking about having a long and fruitful marriage, okay, a long and fruitful marriage, that's how you have to carry yourself, okay? And so my wife and I, we've been married since 1996. That's what I say when I can't remember how long we married. <laughs> we've been married since 1996. And, and, you know, I'll be 50, you know, next year. And we're still pushing. We still, we are doing it better now than when we first got married. That's what you have to do. All right, that was a little plug for the married people. So get up, y'all. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, and, and. His commandments are not burdensome. You know, it's, it's, unfortunately it is, now let me tell you something. I've watched this for years. I've watched a woman get a divorce or lose her husband, and the moment she loses him, she go back to the gym. She go looking different. She go buy some new clothes. Now, many a times, it's because the guy she was married to was killing her. If you're married to somebody that's not producing life, then you're going to die. Okay? For single folk, that's why it's important for who you marry, particularly ladies. It's always more dangerous who a woman marries than a man. And so, uh, and so but I'm, I'm encourage you to be, be, be careful with that, single people, because who you marry, uh, it'll be the difference between life and death. Okay, it's not when everything is going well, it's what they do when things are not going well. What happens when the finances get tight? Do they disappear on you? What happens when they lose their job? Do they come home and take out the anger on you? All of those things are important. All right, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard, we're almost done, y'all. We're going to go home in a second. Y'all still with me? You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love, this is, I love this part. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And this lets you know then that when you have to walk in love towards people that have done you wrong, your rewards start stacking up in heaven. Look at the next one, Luke 6, 32 through 36. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. In other words, you ain't doing nothing. Like I say, people know how to walk in love until it comes time to walk in love. Verse 33. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Sinners do the same thing. And if you lend money, only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners so that they can get a full return. That's why I teach people, 
Don't lend money. Give it. If I can't give it to you, I'm not lending it to you. Because when people need, watch this, if you were, love others as you would want yourself to be loved. If you were in a situation, you wouldn't want a loan. You wouldn't want a gift. Would you agree? Yeah. It's kind of quiet in here. Maybe I got some loan sharks or something. I mean, <laughs> don't forget, man, I, never mind, I don't need to bring up that. It, never mind. <laughs> Had a memory of somebody that charged me a huge amount of interest and I was in a bad situation. Christian brother at the church. Full of love and the Holy Ghost walking in the word of God until it came to that money. Okay, so, so I'm not saying, now watch this. The Bible allows you to lend. That's why it says give to him who asks and don't hold back from those who ask to borrow. So God will allow you to borrow, lend. It is not a sin to loan money. Matter of fact, when it, but even in the Old Testament, it said you can lend to your brothers and sisters, don't charge any interest. When it comes to the heathen, you can charge them all the interest you want. <laughs> That's what the Bible says in the Old Testament. <laughs> it's not an equal opportunity when it comes to this money with God, boy, I tell you. Okay? But, how, but, but, but these are in degrees. These are in degrees. So if you want to operate the way God operates, God does not lend. He gives. Okay? And watch this. What good thing you do for another, the same shall you receive from the Lord. So learn how to be a giver and not a lender. I'll just keep on going. There's great blessings in that. Watch this. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It didn't say nothing about it's more blessed to lend. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. There it is. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. All right. So that's enough. I'm going to show you now. How many now know what to do? We're just going to close it by just three scriptures on what to do in order to grow in love. Because the Bible says, look, no hands, no, no hands even lifted. The Bible says the love of God can control you. I am learning that because as a result of my wife and I studying this, practicing this, building ourselves up in it, certain decisions that I would have normally made in the past, it's like something shoots forward and it controls my emotions. I mean, it's an amazing feeling. You're normally used to feeling this way, but you don't feel this way. You normally think this way about a particular person, and the moment the thought comes, something else comes and shuts the thought down. It's called the love of God will control you. In the King James, it says the love of God will constrain you. It'll hold you back. It'll pull you back. Okay? So Jeremiah 33, 2 through 3. You need to ask the Lord to show you the areas where you do not walk in love. Because the Bible says the heart can deceive. Excuse me. The heart can deceive you. You always think you're on a level that you're not on. It's always something. I, I love the work in the yard because I've learned a lot of principles. Usually when I'm pulling up roots, the Lord is rebuking me <laughs> about stuff. Okay, and that's good, though. I mean, I've learned to receive that because God loves me, so he wants me to be better and, and faster and stronger. But, but when there's a weed, sometimes I pull it and the leaf comes off. Then the other times I'll grab it by the root, and, and the whole root does not come up. The root breaks off. And so because the root breaks off, because I can't see it and I have a root in my hand, it gives me the impression that the thing is gone, when actually it's still there. There's some things you got to dig deep, in, and, and, and the longer it's been there, the more it's reinforced itself. There have been some roots when I was pulling up weeds that they, I couldn't. Ever, any, any of you let a weed grow in, in, your, in your lawn and it ends up becoming a tree? 
Yeah, it's called neglect. Okay, I learned a lot of lessons about myself working out there in that lawn. One time, was a, group, a group of weeds grew up, and they grew up the size of a bush, and I thought it was bushes we had planted. Till one day, I was just like, "Wait a minute here!" And it was blending in just like the other bushes. I was like, "Look at the devil! He didn't got me again!" And I went out there and tried to pull that thing up, and, and tried to pull that thing up, but because I waited too long. I couldn't pull it up, so I just left it again. My wife doesn't know this. Then the thing grew to the size. The thing was taller than me. It was on the side of the house by the trash can. She doesn't take out, she doesn't take out the trash, so I, she wouldn't know these things. <laughs> and I'm, just, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the thing growing, and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to pull this up one day. And pull this up. One day, this thing got so tall, it was almost half the size of the house. And I have a tall house. And this thing was outside, outside, and I'm sitting up there like, mm, mm, mm. I don't let this thing grow into a beanstalk. <laughs> in a minute, I'm able to walk right into the temple of God in heaven. I got so frustrated, and I took both my hands and tried to yank that thing. That thing was like, nope, waited too long. So I had to go get a special mechanism to pull that up. I go get a special mechanism to pull it up. See, so this is what happens when you don't deal with your issues. And there are some issues that are not seen. You have to ask the Lord to show you what's there. Y'all, this is all of us. Again, I'm going to use an example. Two examples. You can go in the shower. Take a, you can take a shower and a bath. Any of you ever done that? Take a shower and then you get in. Never mind. You squeak it clean. You get out. Bam. I mean, there is nothing on you. Go sit on the porch for an hour, completely still, and then ask someone to bring you a white paper towel. Wipe it across your forehead, and there's dirt on it. Why? Were you, act, were you playing in the dirt? No. Were you doing something wrong? No. There are things in the atmosphere that are always collecting themselves on you. And if you don't know how to take a bath on a regular basis, you're going to end up with issues. Same thing, and the, the Bible talks about there are many voices. See, you don't know. You were never designed to hear a negative word. Think about that. God designed you. You were never supposed to hear a negative word. You were never supposed to hear a word cancer. You were never supposed to be afraid. You were never supposed to be intimidated. You were never supposed to even know what poverty was. You were never even created to have an argument with someone. All of this stuff gets on the inside of you, and they become seeds, and they begin to plant. And if you're not on a regular basis saying, Lord, what has crept in my heart that I did not see because there's stuff in the atmosphere? And the same way that I could not see the dirt collecting on my forehead is the same way that I cannot see the dirt collecting on my soul. And it's a deep part. When the dirt is there, you don't have to know it's there. Just go take a bath. That's why all you got to do, there's some things you just get cleansed of because you spend time with God. So this is a good one. Jeremiah 33, 2 through 3, amplified. Thus said the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, do not distinguish and recognize, have knowledge of and understand. That is an amazing scripture because it just lets you know that there are a bunch of things that are fenced in, hidden, Things that you do not know that are going on, you don't distinguish them, recognize them, you don't have knowledge of it, and you don't understand. And so God says, you need to be asking me on a regular basis, Lord, show me what's not there. Lord, show me what I'm missing. You, on a regular basis, you should be going to God, Lord, are there anything, is there anything in my heart that has crept in and I don't know that is affecting my love walk, affecting my behavior? Particularly when you start getting depressed. Any of you just woke up and you had a season of agitation? 
you just got an attitude and you don't even know why you got an attitude. And there's nothing wrong. You just, you know, and, and I've, learned, I've learned that it's supernatural because, you know, our kids, we have to talk to our kids about it sometimes. We have to, we have to teach our kids, look, the reason we got attitude is because of Satan. He's trying to mess with your mind. I mean, and if it, spouses, you leave the house, you will chip her. Had a wonderful day at work. And you ever had this? On your way home, your attitude is getting sour. You don't even know why you walked in the door with an attitude. Because there's stuff in the atmosphere. And a lot of them are unclean spirits. And these things are always, that spiritual realm is a relentless realm. There's a Baptist minister, the Lord took him, an angel, I'm sorry, took him and suspended him in the air above New York and then opened up the spiritual realm. He said, there was a demonic creature on almost every person walking down the street, whispering lies in the air. It's a relentless realm. And half the stuff that runs through your mind, you think it's you and it's not. But guess what? You don't know what's there. Lord, why do I keep hearing this in my, why do I keep having this thought that I want to kill this person and stab them in the neck? Why do I keep having this feeling I want to rob a bank? Why do I keep having this feeling I want to steal this money? Why do I keep having this? Why do I have this? Why are my dreams turning sour? You have to ask God a question and you say, it's coming from this. Y'all remember in the Bible? It says there was a famine in the land. And it was very, very sore. It was very terrible. And it says, David went and asked God a question. Y'all quit ignoring stuff in your life. Ask God about everything. Lord, why is there an ant in my house? <laughs> Y'all think God won't answer them type of questions. God will answer, show me one scripture in the Bible where God said he won't answer you anything. Anything. I messed up my point now. No, I was past that. Yeah, I had a great, illustrious point. But anyway, let's just keep on going. <clears throat> oh, he's talking about the famine. And he said, Lord, everybody else would have said, well, brother, that's just an economic cycle. David said, no, nah, let's ask God anyway. Lord said, oh, the reason why the whole nation is in a famine is because that guy over there killed innocent people. How can you trace that? that the whole country is in a famine because innocent blood was shed? Yeah, and until you repent of that, it'll still be a famine. Ask God everything. He may not answer you immediately, but he will answer you. Because sometimes when God answers you, he, the reason why he'll wait, God likes to answer by giving you an experience. So when God answers a question, he likes to answer it in such a way where you'll never have the question again. Y'all funny. Revelation 319. Let's go ahead and close. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Indifference means I don't care nothing about that. Lack of concern. Emotionless. Numb. Spiritless. You just sit there like a frog on a log waiting on a fly to buzz past. Lack of enthusiasm. Lack of interest. Remaining calm and seeming not to care. When you're operating in that mode, it's because you need to be disciplined. And God says, I'll discipline you, but you're going to have to receive it because I only discipline and correct people that I love. Jude one twenty, it says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Coast, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So one of the ways, again, Praying in tongues and speaking in tongues is not for you to irk and jerk. Not for you to fall on the ground and roll from wall to wall and be emotional. 
That's just people. You go to a football game, I have to give an example because I'm done. You go to a football game and you see three groups of people. When there's a touchdown, person number one, what do they do? They just sit there. Are they enjoying the game? Yes. They're enjoying the game, but when there's a touchdown, they're just like, they're enjoying the game. Person next to them, when there's a touchdown, what do they do? Yes. Boom. They may not even stand up. They just do something like that. Then you have person number three. It is 30 below zero. They are out there in nothing but a set of draws and a Viking hat, and they have painted half their body. That person is the one that when they join the church, they're the one running around the building, shouting, hollering, and screaming. None. All three of the individuals are joining the game. It's just their emotion. Some of us laugh more than others. Some of us joke more than others. Some of us are more serious than others. Okay? But, but, but the point is, is that it was given so that you can spend time praying in tongues, building yourself up, building yourself up, building yourself up, and that's what keeps you in the love of God. Praying in tongues is a generator. The more you pray, the Bible says two things, four things. You're praying the perfect will of God. You're praying mysteries or answers to mysteries concerning your future. And it says you're edifying yourself and you're building yourself up. The more you pray in tongues, the more you become strong, 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 strong. I remember one time when I first came back from South Korea, I had spent three months praying in tongues for about nine to ten hours a day. That's very extreme to some people, but it's normal. It depends on what you want. And I never forget when I first started talking, started counseling people and talking to people, this one lady asked me to stop talking because she thought she was going to explode from the inside because that was the weight and power of my words because I had spent so much time praying in tongues, I built myself up. There have been times I used to do this one trek back and forth to New York, have to drive throughout the middle of the night for nine, 10 hours, and I'd pray in tongues for nine, 10 hours straight on the entire trip. When I got to the destination, couldn't even go to sleep because I had built myself up so strong and it then segued over into the natural realm and my body was too energized. This stuff is scientific, folks. You gotta practice this stuff. Why y'all think, y'all, when you study the life of Jesus, it seemed like this man never slept. And when he did, it was in the middle of a storm. I just, everything Jesus did, nothing was normal about this man. And then he said, yeah, y'all supposed to do the same thing, just greater. Jude 120. So that's the purpose for praying in tongues. And that's why for those that receive that, it's very simple. It's available to everybody. For those that receive it, when you start doing that, you build yourself up, and it gives you the ability to shut your feelings off and operate in the love of God. And the last scripture, Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. You may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. The love of Christ is supposed to be experienced though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Okay? So that gets, that scripture is something that you can pray over yourself. You know, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will begin to let me experience the love of God. Experience the love of God. Okay? And so this is the reason why the Bible says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, to seek heavenly things. Seek heavenly things. That's something that, by and large, the church does not do. All of the most important scriptures the body of Christ does not do. Okay? Now, let it come to some tithes and offerings. Oh, we got some revelation on that, don't we? I'm just saying from my point of view, you know what I'm saying? They got revelation. You remember what Jesus told them? He told the religious Pharisees the same thing that's going on today. He said, look, 
He said, when it comes to this money, he said, y'all masters of that. He said, y'all tithe everything, even your herbs. He said, but when it comes to the weightier and heavier stuff, y'all don't know nothing about that. He said, when it comes to justice and walking in love, he said, you're supposed to do the other. He said, but that's not more important than this over here. And so that's the dilemma that we're in right now. And so, yes, the Lord will give you a dream. He will give you a vision. He will send an angel to your household. He will give you heavenly experiences. Because I had one recently, and just that one experience with the love of God shifted me. My feelings have changed now. I see things. Because you were meant to experience. Because you cannot walk in the love of God without experiencing it first. That's why the Bible says to seek heavenly things. Y'all, it's amazing what the Lord is doing to my mentality. I've been in church all my life, and I was out there in the garden or on, the, on the grass, and the Holy Spirit says, you all are ambassadors. But he said, have you ever heard of an ambassador that's never visited the country that he's representing? That was the Lord giving me an invitation. Seek me to have heavenly experiences. With Jesus in the Old Testament, and even in the book of Acts, there was no... There was no uh, window or veil. I mean, Peter's in jail, and, and the church is praying, and when, and when the girl says, Peter, at the door, the people praying said, no, it's not. That's just his, just his angel. Back then, there were, if you read the Bible carefully, you'll notice that the angelic realm from heaven was in constant visitation and communication. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just a visitation. Sometimes these angels came down, and they ate with me and at the table. You know what I'm saying? Where did all of that go? And we're supposed to be in the latter times when everything is supposed to be more glorious. It's because we've set down the supernatural and we picked up the mundane. We set down the kingdom and we picked up the religion stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so as a result of that, we're supposed to be operating the greatest of power. And as you know, more and more with our church is beginning to be, is becoming more and more restored, restored, restored. It's starting to get scary now. The things that are going on in the midst of the people. That's a sign that God is moving. It's not the pastor. The sign that God is moving is the people because he's teaching it, and God confirms the word with signs following. <laughs> okay. So I'm encouraging you, take your Christianity serious, folk, seriousness. Take your Christianity serious and begin to spend daily time interacting with heaven. When you start interacting with heaven as though you're the only person on the planet, don't be surprised if they respond to you like you are the only person on the planet. Because the Bible says all things are possible. Enoch took this so far, he took this so far that God just snatched him off the planet and he left his family behind. Think about that. You can actually go down for There are people who have disappeared off the planet. I know some of you ain't never heard no teaching like this before, but y'all, this is Bible, okay? Now, some of the reverends, they don't believe in this because when you start teaching this, folk got to be free. You can't control folk over stuff like this. You got to be ready for Randall coming to me and say, hey, man, the Lord was in my room last night. He gave me some message about my destiny, and he also told me something about you. You got to be ready for people to say, I had this dream, and an angel spelled out my destiny and said, I got to leave your church and go to Guatemala. But you worried about tithes and offerings, so that can't be the Lord. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That's why you don't see any. That's one of the reasons I took the money out of the, offer, the, the, the service, so that that would not be an issue. People would understand because people need to see certain things. You know, nowadays, you do stuff with the money, they. <laughs> and so the point that I'm making is I'm encouraging you to seek the Lord this way. The worst thing in the world is for you to go to heaven and the Lord tells you what he told Rick Joyner. You have missed more from us 
than you would ever imagine. What has the Lord not told you? What experience have you not have because your grandmother told you that, that God doesn't give dreams? What experience have you not have because they said this passed out with the apostles? What experience have you not had because you have valued yourself too low? Most people have been taught by the world and religion to value themselves too low. Value themselves, value themselves. You even see it with Jesus' disciples. They were in training and people would try to come to Jesus and the disciples would rebuke them. And when the disciples rebuked the people for coming to Jesus, Jesus would rebuke the disciples for rebuking them. See it all over again. One time he said, they said, Lord, we saw this guy casting out demons, but he's not a part of our club, so he can't know what he's doing. And Jesus rebuked him. I mean, you just see it over and over again. They tried to rebuke the parents when they were trying to bring the children to Jesus. He said, they're the last ones you should be rebuking. He said, because you can't even get into the kingdom unless you humble yourself like this child. So you're going to have to start over, y'all. Some of the holy, uh, my last statement, then we'll pray. I don't know how many years ago it was. Could have been when that situation happened in Detroit. But the Holy Spirit told me something. He said, start studying the Bible like you've never been taught before. And I'll start showing you stuff that you've never seen before. So if you want to know where a lot of my stuff comes from, it's because I seek the Lord like I'm the only man on the planet. I'm not, this is not a disrespect to anybody. I don't care what other preachers teach. Because most of what's being taught, including me, is a watered-down version of what Jesus would have told you. So I don't even teach people to follow me. My thing is, I, my wife and I, we try to give you everything you can. We're hoping that you can run circles around us. That's the reason why the Lord keeps giving us stuff. Because we don't hold stuff back. We're trying to make y'all Superman. That's how it goes. One man gets it and then gives it to everybody else. Says, now do greater. Jesus went and got it, gave it to the disciples. You'll be able to do greater works. It's the same principle. Okay? Let's go ahead and stand. Who, man? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, O Lord God. Just begin to lift your hands. Let's just worship God and thank him for this teaching right here for a moment. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord God. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah. Blessed be your holy name. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and praise, O oh Lord God, for what we have heard. For the love of God is the greatest commandment. It's what you're made out of. You said, O oh Lord God, that we are sons of love and that we are sons of light. So we pray, O oh Lord God, that you would give us grace, that you would give us power, and that our love would begin to increase, O oh Lord God, to a greater measure so that we can operate as the sons and the daughters of God to represent our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many of us, oh Lord God, have never seen true love. Most of us have not seen it. Most of us, not all of us, have never really even truly experienced it. But yet, oh Father God, your word says that anything that we would ask for, it would be given. You said, oh Lord God, that you would not, you would not withhold anything from us. That if you gave us your firstborn son, how much more would you not with him give us everything else? So on today, oh Lord God, we come into agreement and we ask, oh Father God, that you would give us more deposits of your love. You would give us grace. You would forgive us, oh Lord God, for the hatred that we have had towards others, as well as the hatred that we have had towards ourselves. For you, oh Lord God, are a God of love. You sent your son, oh Lord God, because you loved us before we loved you. You have called us to a very high standard, but the standard is there because we can meet it if 
we get forth 100%. So I thank you, Lord God, for those that want to hear it, that you would reveal unto us and to them, O oh Lord God, the things that they need to change, the areas that they have uh, fallen into when it comes to hatred. We pray, O oh Lord God, that you would reveal unto us the areas that we are not walking in love, whether it be toward our spouse, our children, our company, even ourselves, even toward you. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for revealing unto those, O oh Lord God, that are having problems with sin, that it is a form of self-hatred, that you would give them a revelation of how much they are loved. Because you cannot hate us, O oh Lord God. You only love us, whether we sin or not, whether we love you back or not. You love us before we love you. So we thank you, O oh Lord God, that your love causes men to turn to righteousness. Thank you, O oh Lord God, that you will do that in our lives. You will give us wisdom. You will reveal unto us the things that we cannot see. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' mighty name, if you are agreeing with that prayer and you receive it, just begin to open up your mouth, lift your hands and worship the Lord. Open up your mouth and give God thanks and praise that he is changing you on the inside. Thank you, O oh Lord God. Thank you, O oh Lord God, that you are changing us on the inside. Glory to God. Blessed be.